Let's Cover That podcast is brought to you by CMNF Group, professional liability services for over 200 healthcare professions. Visit our website at cmfgroup.com slash podcast for more info. Hey, everyone. Another episode of Let's Cover That. And uh, I'm Will Sullivan. And I'm your co-host, Antonina Agruza. And today we have Robert M. Blum on the podcast, a physician associate for over 47 years. Robert, we are super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you very much, Antonina. It's a privilege for having this opportunity to share with you all this morning. Um, Prior to my retirement three years ago, I was a practicing PA, as I had mentioned, for 47 years. I enlisted in the military at age 17, and after my training, I volunteered for combat duty in the Republic of Vietnam. My main military specialty was that of a combat medic. And in that particular role, one has to gain a tremendous amount of knowledge. And much of what we did in combat was not taught in the classroom or in any other manner. This was something that you learned as you went. And I discovered that Everyone has someone for the, to thank for their training, and much of my foundation came from the Army Nurse Corps. Nurses gave me a basic understanding of anatomy and physiology and procedures. This was later augmented by physicians, surgeons, and senior medical specialists, and it's for this reason that I have never forgotten my roots. Where did I begin? But have always endeavored to support all nursing people, personnel, and especially emergency room nurses, OR nurses, the entire trauma team, and the ICU staff who worked so hard and so diligently to save lives. Interesting, Bob, just to, to pipe in real quick, to, because I don't know every, if everybody understands this. You know, number one, we have, as a PA, you're coming in from truly battlefield testing, which is kind of similar to the nursing corps, as, as you're mentioning, in, in our country's history. I mean, can, can you just just to reiterate or highlight PAs came from, you know, basically the training in Vietnam, as you're saying, and, and you're part of that, like, oh, first class. have no fear. It's in there. Yeah. Prior to the mid-1960s, there were no PAs in Vietnam. There were no nurse practitioners in Vietnam. But this was a field that was assuredly becoming developed because of the experiences of all the personnel dealing with combat casualties. So it's it's important to realize that in the beginnings of our professions, there was a time that something as drastic as warfare formed us and forged us into what we have become today. I've been in the past 
involved in many different roles in healthcare. Among them was a surgical PA, emergency medicine, urgent care. I have served as a team leader, administrator, director of two surgical um, services. I have been the AAPA liaison to the American College of Surgeons and the chairman of the Surgical Congress for the AAPA. I was a co-founder and former president of the American College of Clinicians, which was a joint and the first joint PA and NP National Society. And our purpose was to build bridges between the two professions. Instead of engaging each other in arguments, we felt that it was important to look for the similarities and learn to appreciate what each of us has contributed to this particular field. During the course of my career, I've been a member of eight specialty groups. I've been an instructor of surgery and emergency medicine at Hofstra University for five years. I served as an associate lecturer for Fitzgerald Health Education Associates, which is a national well-known nurse practitioner education association. I've written two chapters in nursing texts, Alexander's Care of the uh, Patient in Surgery, the 15th edition. I wrote the plastic surgical chapter and assisting in surgery, patient-centered care, where I wrote the history and physical chapters. I've co-authored two medical books that are meant for PAs, NPs, and physicians, Skin and Soft Tissue Infections and Surgery for the PA. I've written over 400 articles in our literature and in the medical malpractice literature. I've been a national conference speaker and an advocate for both PAs, NPs, and I might add RNs for over 30 years. By practice, I've learned a very important fact that we are all part of an interdisciplinary team with the main goal of rendering care to all of our patients. So why become a PA or an NP? Well, I think basically you have to do what's right for yourself and nobody else is walking in your shoes. You have to say to yourself, well, what will make me happy in life and still allow me to enjoy a family? And that's an important aspect of making a decision to go into this particular field. I'd like to speak for a moment on healthcare. Healthcare is always evolving. And it's because of this fact that we're doing this podcast, because the continuation of education is so important, regardless of what fields we may be in, so that we have to continually build on our foundations. We're perpetually in a state of reconstruction and expansion. This situation exists because of the gaps that we discovered as time marched on. For PAs, one of the biggest gaps had to do with our name. Our name was appropriate for the first two decades and we were entering from nowhere and 
people needed to look at us under a microscope, which they did. But in the world of assistance, there are medical assistants and there are nursing assistants and radiology assistants. There are a plethora of assistants, but we've gone beyond that role. This is over a half century now, and assistant is no longer appropriate. And it's for that reason in the past year that the name physician associate has been approved. We began our education as a small edifice and we built them into skyscrapers. We're forever changing and increasing our didactic studies and our degrees. Both NPs and PAs have developed doctoral programs and they've expanded their knowledge into research, education, and administration. Specialty areas have increased. Family practice, internal medicine, cardiology, endocrinology, radiology, invasive or interventional radiology, psychology, pediatrics, surgery, and that's just to name a few. I can't even enumerate them all, but I can say this. Wherever you see a physician practicing, you will find that they are working in conjunction with either a PA or an NP, or in better cases, or most cases, both. And this is very, very important. So, so Bob, to, to kind of highlight to, to everybody in the audience, so... So the AAPA made a determination a few years back, but this, this genesis for you is over 20 years ago, shifting from the physician assistant, what a PA is known as, to a physician associate as a PA. And that was d decided with the AAPA years, a few years ago now, probably about five, five years ago, to shift the nomenclature, the titling, to physician associate. As you're saying, you, you started off as a profession that's kind of tied to the hip with the doctors, battlefield tested, and, and that's the genesis of that. And now you're in the new battlefield with COVID and everything else over the past 20 years. And the extension of the PA is different versus an assistant. Now it's kind of you're an embedded part of the team and collaborator. Is that is that kind of like a good summary of like, where that transition has occurred and, and what you're saying now, the PAs are physician associates and, and now we're moving into the new area of what that scope of practice, that authority looks like? Uh, exactly. It, it, the name physician associate was actually approved in the House of Delegates last year and maybe two years ago. And it's taken a while for it to come to the forefront, but now our job is to let the medical associations and the American Hospital Association and the administrators know of that change and know why we changed it and what it really represents. And so I think you hit the nail on the head. This, this is what we do today. When I mentioned the um, specialty... What is, when, you, when you say associate, what is the distinction you all as PA see there, that's the difference versus assistant. Kind of, what what is that shift? And, and for everybody to understand, that's going to be an approval 
state by state based on the licensing board. So it's, it's a larger swath of time that maybe some states might be good with in a year or two. Others might take, I mean, I've even heard the commentary of maybe five to 10 years based on what the, what the states say. And, and as you can imagine through COVID, you know, the, the transition of, of um, you know, what the reimbursements are allowed, telehealth and all these different services, level of years of training, supervis supervising physicians. And there's a lot of different kind of uh, nuances there. But what, so what do you guys see as like the specific difference from assistant to associate that's really meaningful for people to understand today? I think it's the recognition by the public, by the patient, by the administrators, by the hospitals, by the systems, by the physicians, that this field has developed to the point where we have indeed become experts in what we do. And in most cases, we're capable of doing everything that a physician does, except walk into an operating room and, and decide that we're going to do a particular surgical procedure and do it. But at the same time, we assist in every surgical procedure. So it's the recognition that we're not standing there draped in a gown with a towel wrapped around our arm saying, how can I serve you? We're out there to serve the patient and to serve them with expertise, to serve them with our knowledge and our past experiences. And that's what physician associate is saying. And that will make room for something I'll talk about in, in a few minutes, full practice authority, which is one of the other gaps that exists in our profession. Yeah, if we, if we could, let's, uh, because uh, I know we got a certain amount of time, but Antonia, do you want to pop that question over to Bob on that specifically and jump into it? Bob, it's truly amazing to see the evolution of the PA profession and the MP profession. Um, you know, for some, maybe it's a short amount of time, but it does feel relatively rapid. And, you know, you've spoken so much about your advocacy for these professions. And what are your thoughts on where these professions are going in the future with full practice authority, um, with the transition of the name from phys physician assistant to physician associate? Um where do you see this all going? Okay, in terms of our history, both PAs and NPs were both born on a field of blood. Our early PAs received their experience in combat as medics and corpsmen. Both nurses and medics also served in mass units, must units, evac hospitals, and field hospitals. They sustained an acceleration of their knowledge and skills in the treatment of their patients. They encountered the horrors of war, what a bullet can do, a grenade, uh, a missile, and they've seen bodies totally destroyed. They were not prepared for this, but they were able to deal with it as it happened, and they developed the knowledge and skills in the delivery of a higher level of patient care. Much of our education was on the job training and neither could practice in civilian life as they did in the military. Therefore, legislative changes were needed as well as advanced degrees. Now the future, where are we going? 
We've, we've established a foundation. We've built upon that foundation. But where are we going? I see doctoral degrees for both as a terminal degree. Remember, I said the future, whereas the present terminal degrees for PAs are a master's. In addition to education, there's a need for full practice authority. Each year and projections for the future demonstrate that many physicians are leaving the field of patient care, patient practice, and they're becoming researchers, educators, businessmen, administrators, and corporate system executives. Among the areas that are being affected the most are family practice, emergency medicine, surgery, um, and intensive care because of the AIDS epidemic. So with all of this happening, who's going to stand in the gap? When these doctors or when these physicians, since we have so many doctoral PAs and MPs, when the physicians exit, when they do an exodus away from practice, someone has to pick up the slack. Someone has to care for patients in America. And who is that? It's the NP and the PA. We are going to be doing uh, existing in that role. And in order to do that, we need to be able to function autonomously. And the NPs have already accomplished that in 25 states. The PAs have it in a couple of states, and we are working steadily to see this come into fruition. Like in Vietnam, the COVID pandemic affected us in every state and temporarily expanded our playing field because physicians and administrators realized that we were capable of handling the patient load, which had increased so much. But in the building of our experiences, we saw the needs of our nations and constantly training others. As Harvey Firestone had said, it's only as we develop others that we will permanently succeed. So we need to prove ourselves the first generation of PAs proved themselves under the scrutiny of administrators, nurses, and physicians. Because of wartime experiences, that they proved that they were experts in emergency medicine and in surgery. But later we augmented that knowledge by having surgical residencies. One started in Montefiore and shortly after at Yale. And Many of the professions now are going into residencies to further increase the knowledge base of the people that are in it. So today, education is important. It was Malcolm X who said, education is the passport to the future, for tomorrow belongs to those who prepare for it today. And we march steadily forward each day proving ourselves, and sustaining life. And that's about it. And I'll take any other questions you may have. Bob, the amount of work you've done in the PA profession and foreign NPs has been absolutely commendable, and we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for giving us an overview of the profession and where it's come from and where it's going. Thank you very much for the opportunity to do so. Thank you so much for your service to our country. 
you know, as a veteran and also in the healthcare field, it's been amazing. And the ability to bring, you know, I, I think a lot of light to where the professions, you know, in plural for PAs and NPs has come from, the collaborative nature with the physicians that you're, you've been a part of over the years and where we need to go as a country is, is really immense. And I, and I think it, it all ties into the collaborative nature, the, the ability to find value-based care, you know, which is something we'll be touching on more as the year goes along. And it's just, uh, and, and it even kind of harkens back to our discussion with uh, Desmond Watts at uh, Eden Health. It's just, you know, there's a lot of great opportunity that the, the PA profession is bringing to the country. And just thank you so much for being a leader of it over the years. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And thank you so much for your questions in between. You guys never got to say anything about malpractice. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a wrap. <laughs> Thank you.